This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. For example, fibroblasts and macrophages can turn into each other, which is anything. One is a connective tissue cell, the other is an immune cell. And yet they can they can turn into each other. I kind of think of them as shapeshifters. Hi everybody, David Lasondak here. I am so happy to have the delightful Dr. Patricia Houston as our guest today on Body Talk. We're going to be talking about sedentary and unhealthy lifestyles and interstitial cell behavior. It's a gripping episode. You're not going to want to miss a second of it. You probably want to go listen to it more than once. But before you do that, I have to remind you we're down to the last week. That's right. You listeners to Body Talk who are friends of David, F-O-Ds, that's right. You can join me in San Diego on March 8th and 9th for a deep dive into the fascial matrix for a two-day dissection workshop with my friends at Anatomy Scapes, Rochelle Clausen and Nicole Tremblay. It's going to be fantastic. And if you use the promo code FOD28, you get 28% off. That means this $1,249 workshop is going to cost you $899. Okay? It's just that simple. But you have one week to get it done. Okay? The links will be in the show notes. I really hope to see you there. It's going to expand your mind. It's going to expand your palpatory skills. It's going to make you rethink everything you think about what you know. And now I want to introduce you to Dr. Patricia Houston. Uh, We first met, uh, we had collaborated on a potential uh, pre-conference workshop for the Fascia Research Congress. It did not get green-lighted, but I made a really good friend and she dropped an amazing paper about six months ago that I just caught up with. And when I read it, it was just, and I said, I've got to get her on the show. We got to talk about this and share it with you all. The paper is available to download. It'll be in the show notes. But right now, let's get to the conversation on this installment of Body Talk. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Body Talk. Today, I am so happy to have is my guest from the Department of Family Medicine, the Faculty of Medicine at the University of Ottawa. Dr. Patricia Houston. She has recently published a paper called A Sedentary and Unhealthy Lifestyle Fuels Chronic Disease Progression by Changing Interstitial Cell Behavior, a network analysis. And in spite of how chewy that title might have sounded, it was exciting to me because, whoa, interstitial cells and chronic diseases, I'm all about that. And it is one of the most beautifully readable papers I have ever read in my life. And there'll be a link to it in the show notes. It's a free download. And Patricia and I recently met in person at the 2022 Fascia Research Congress. So I decided to bring her up and see if she'd be willing to talk about this paper on the pod. Enough about me. Patricia, welcome to Body Talk. Hi there. Happy to be here. Okay. So let's get the ball rolling. There's a lot in here. But where should we start? Then let me set the stage. And I, I think the first question to ask mm-hmm. is like, why chronic disease? It's so central to our lives. Like the most, almost all the causes, top 10 causes of death 
are from chronic diseases. So I'm talking about heart disease, diabetes, chronic lung disease, liver disease, chronic kidney disease. And when you look at the healthcare dollar, like uh, just before COVID, the U.S. spent $4 trillion on healthcare. It's 20% of our economy. Yeah, 20, uh, and 90% of that was to manage chronic diseases. Wow. So it's huge. And yet, despite all the new designer drugs that have come out to treat chronic diseases in the last 20 years, the mortality rates for chronic diseases have just flatlined. They have not gone down at all. Overall mortality, our life expectancy in the United States has been going down every year, which is not a good statistic. Life expectancy is decreasing. um, Quick, everybody move out of the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) It's not the only place. Okay, I didn't think so. But the irony is, with all of this, is that chronic disease is largely preventable. I'm talking about like physical activity, number one predictor of longevity. You've got to stay active. It's the foundation of a healthy lifestyle. You know, I got to say, Patricia, since COVID happened, although I had the great fortune to be able to work through it, apartment closed for a brief period and reopened under some new conditions, my access to activity has gone down tremendously. And I'm really starting to feel the inner deterioration from that. So your your paper was a really good intellectual kick in my very physical butt. So I want to thank you for that personally. But when you mention lifestyle, there, there's one thing here that jumped out at me where you cite a meta-analysis of over a thousand studies and 1.5 million participants, which is a huge number, found loneliness had an effect similar to smoking and obesity in terms of increasing risk of chronic disease. Isn't that incredible? Is that pre-COVID or during COVID? A lot of that is pre-COVID. Like okay, this would... is looking after looking at studies that have been done over about a 15-year period. Okay. I, I would imagine it got worse during COVID, right? Like there were think people so. were so isolated and um, or some people, you know, were very isolated. When you do these studies, you can see the outcomes, but you can't necessarily see the processes. So right. we don't know why it's so. Just like we haven't had good insight until recently as to how come lifestyle has such an effect on chronic disease. Like, really, how does that work? And um, and this paper helps to give some insights into that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of loneliness, the theory is that, you know, there's all sorts of brain chemicals that happen Um, either when you're happy or when you're not happy and your autonomic nervous system and all of this is linked with your immune system and getting into this low-grade inflammatory state. Here is the new info, right? Is that in the last 10 or 15 years, it goes back a little more, but when it was sort of in the collective scientific consciousness, is this link between chronic diseases and cytokines. Now, cytokines are inflammatory proteins that circulate in the body, and they have been linked with lifestyle. And so if you are sedentary, or if you don't eat well, or if you don't, if you're stressed out, 
for one reason or another, all of these things fuel inflammation in the body. And that is linked with chronic disease progression. Now, we also have anti-inflammatory cytokines as well. Exactly. And so, so we sort of have the agitators and the peacemakers. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And it's like one great big town hall discussion. You know, <laughs> <laughs> My wife is in local <laughs> politics. You have no idea how that hits home with me. <laughs> And, but eventually, you know, there's a vote and there's the predominance of one or the other, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, anything that you can do to increase your anti-inflammatory cytokines is, is a good thing. But the thing that got me is I said, okay, that's great. There's a relationship, but there's two questions that are still outstanding. And that is, how does an unhealthy lifestyle cause inflammation and how does inflammation cause chronic disease basically when i was tucked away during covid i i set out to try and get the answers to those questions and so that's what this this paper is about okay so those are those are two very very big questions and they're two very very good questions. How did you even go about thinking of how to solve those or at least investigate them perhaps is a better way to put it? Well, you sort of ask yourself, okay, well, how did the cytokines get there? Right. Yeah. And you let uh, them move in. (laughs) Everything was fine until the cytokines showed up, you know? And then I did something called a network analysis and basically a network. Now, did you use AI for that? No. Okay. Wow. No, it is. um, AI has been used for that. That's for sure. But it basically is looking at interactions involved in complex processes. And so, you know, what are the interactions that cause the cytokines to start? And then what are the interactions for cytokines to cause chronic disease progression? You know, I don't think that we need to talk about the network analysis too much. I would just say it was like a 3D jigsaw puzzle because there's all sorts of, you know, causes and conditions, right? This causes yeah. that and that causes this. Yeah. And, it and, all and goes you, do, all you do go into a lot of these. I've got a lot of things uh, yellowed on the paper of papers. I want to go back and look that you used uh, for resources. It's incredibly, incredibly well-researched. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us what you discovered. If we go back to that first question. So how does an unhealthy lifestyle increase cytokines? Really the answer to that question lies in the micro environment and specifically what's also known as the interstitium. And I have to tell you that this was one of my aha moments during my research, because there's a whole bunch of research on the microenvironment, right? Right. And how you have to keep your microenvironment happy to stay healthy. And then there's some some research on the interstitium. And it was one day I realized, oh my God, they're pretty much the same thing. And so what it is, is this fluid-filled structure that is interwoven throughout your body. And it contains extracellular matrix, which is a type of connective tissue. 
And that determines shape. So the interstitium in your heart creates the shape of your heart. Interstitium or your microenvironment in the liver creates the shape of your liver uh, and so on. What they didn't realize for a long time was that this is a very biologically active environment. And so not only are there organ cells there, like heart cells in your heart and liver cells in your liver, but there are also macrophages, which are a type of immune cell, and then the fibroblasts or fibrocytes that create the extracellular matrix. And there's a few stem cells. And there's also lymphatic vessels and, and so on. And all kinds of different chemical messages being passed back and forth. Exactly, including cytokines. So let me tell you about the macrophage. For me, this was just mind-blowing. I did not know all these things about macrophages before I started this research. I didn't either till I read this paper. Yeah. yeah. So I thought macrophages are white blood cells. They increase when you have an infection. So macro means big, phage means eat, so that mm -hmm. they can actually literally eat. They have hearty macros. appetites. They're like little Pac-Men going waka, 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 waka. Exactly. Waka, I think of them rid as of the invaders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You said every cell is a character. So That's it. Now, those are circulating macrophages, but there's also something called resident macrophages. And they are, are formed in the tissue, in the interstitium or the um, microenvironment of all organs and tissues. And by the way, here's just a little PS, the difference between interstitium and, and microenvironment. Please. The microenvironment is talking about a very specific part of the body. So there's a lot of research that's been done, for example, on the tumor microenvironment, or, um, you know, they look at the microenvironment with breast cancer or something like that. So it's a very small area that they're focused on, where the interstitium is the microenvironment, but everywhere in the body. And we were talking about how it's biologically active. So what happens in one part of the interstitium is responding to local circumstances. And so that's going to be different than how it responds right. to local conditions elsewhere. I can make another public works metaphor, uh, getting back to local government. But we recently just did this really expensive but necessary stormwater sewer separation project. Because 100 years ago, they thought the idea, well, if all the stormwater and all the sewage water goes into the same pipe, that'll be better for everything. Uh, it's really not because what goes into that pipe affects the entire environment right. way downriver as yeah, well. And now we've separated that. So that is actually helping clean up our living environment. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say about our inner environment. Exactly. So... Let me tell you just a little bit more about this character, the macrophage. Please do. So their job in life is to deal with threats. They also orchestrate the normal healing and repair process. However, when they get dysregulated, it contributes to chronic disease progression. So this is really a kingpin character. So how what happens to them? How do they do all that? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. 
macrophages have what they call different phenotypes. So they have different forms of behavior depending, again, on local causes and so conditions. Could you say a phenotype is like a personality? Well, yeah. So when they're in having their regular day, there's three. There's one is called surveillance or M0, then inflammation and repair. So let's start with surveillance. So they're like your neighborhood cop who's going along the street, you know, going, okay, just checking everything out here, making sure everything is okay. And then when they spot a problem, they call into the station, they go, listen, you guys, we need some reinforcements. We've got a problem here. And um, so they deal with the problem. And if there's a disaster, they kind of clean up the disaster, right? And once that's cleaned up, then there's this repair process. And they say, okay, let's get everything back to normal again. How do they get these? So they have different phenotypes, but they also have different storylines. Like when they're in inflammatory mode, they're cranky. Like don't cross them because yeah. you're going to get into trouble, right? Mm-hmm. And and yet when they're in repair mode, it's all like, okay, let's have a nice peaceful environment. Let's get this back to normal here. <laughs> so, they're, so by, yeah, they're bipolar. yeah they have Mm -hmm. these different modes and they're responding to stimuli in their environment so how do they get these messages out they can actually call in reinforcements bring all sorts of white blood cells in from the circulation and so on well they do it through cytokines cytokines are their way of communicating and in fact it's even called intercellular crosstalk. So that's how they communicate. When they're in inflammation, they have inflammatory cytokines. And when they're on repair mode, they have anti-inflammatory cytokines. And that encourages the renewal of new tissue and also repair of vessels and all this kind of stuff. Inflammatory cytokines are not inherently good or bad. Too many of them can be bad, but they have a necessary function in the body too. Well, that's right. They're actually the first step of the normal repair process, the normal healing and repair process. For example, you fall, you have traumatic brain injury, and you break some uh, blood vessels, like in the meninges of your brain, for example. Well, they, you know, that has to heal. You have to take away all the dead cells, all the dead blood cells, And then you've got the renewal of cells, reestablishing the circulation. But that, you know, they they actually, these macrophages, they actually gobble up dead cells. And then they present them to the lymph vessels and that they take them off for packaging, you know, going out through the, uh, yeah. Well, you you are giving me the metaphors. It's some people know in my past, I worked at a funeral home, but let's not unpack that right now. But that's what you got me thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, lymph system. <laughs> so there you go. So it's very active. It's a very yeah. active environment. Body Talk will return after the break. Don't touch that skip button. Hey, all you Body Talk listeners who are in the Pittsburgh area, just want to let you know I'm going to be doing a workshop with my friend, Jamie DeMarco, who's a yoga teacher and a PT. It's called Fascia 
Function and Flow, and it's going to be taking place on Saturday, February 25th from 1.30 to 5.30 p.m. at Schoolhouse Yoga in the Strip District. It's going to be a fun and fact-filled, and there will be a link in the show notes under Schoolhouse Yoga backslash workshops. You're going to go to that page. You just scroll down a few until you find Fascia Function and Flow with myself and Jamie DeMarco. I hope to see you there on Saturday, February 25th. And thanks for listening to Body Talk. We'll now return to our discussion with Dr. Patricia Houston. So then the question is, what do cytokines have to do with chronic disease progression? Well, to understand that, you got to realize that it's not just cell death or microbes that activate macrophages. Lifestyle can activate macrophages as well. So how does that happen? Well, if you eat unhealthy food, for example, or are sedentary, that fosters an unhealthy microbiome in your gut. And your gut is lying and with literally millions of resident macrophages that are just sitting there, uh, again, surveilling things, keeping an eye on stuff. And if you start getting inflam- uh, like a inflammatory microbiome going on, well, that stimulates the, infla- the macrophages to go into inflammatory mode and they start releasing cytokines. Is like is it sending out an SOS or is it? Yeah, it's saying, adapting? Hey guys, we've got a problem here. Mm-hmm. Bring in the troops. We got to get rid of these bad guys. And um, but the only thing is, is the next day you eat more unhealthy food, and there are more bad guys there. So you've got this situation of like chronic insults. Yeah, if it only happened once or even once in a while, the macrophages could get rid of it. And then right. you, you know, you can binge out on a pizza. That's fine, but not five days in a row. Exactly. Exactly. So it's this idea of chronic insults. And when you think of a poor lifestyle, that's what happens. You're always kind of um, doing bad things to yourself. And the macrophages are trying their darndest to get things cleared up. But when they're just releasing these inflammatory cytokines again and again and again, it's almost like a broken record and they never get to the next phase, which is the normal repair mode. Over time that can lead to a fibrosis type of situation. Well, okay. There's a few little steps to get there. Okay. All right. I'm I'm jumping ahead in the movie. The other thing is that fat cells produce cytokines. They're called adipokines. And so, you know, you eat junk food, that creates some inflammation. You eat too much, so you gather some fat. And then those fat cells start producing inflammation. And all these things start to contribute to this chronic low-grade inflammatory state. Mm. Now, the good news is that muscle cells, when you exercise release myokines and myokines are anti-inflammatory cytokines so you were talking about okay here's a moderating effect on the conversation Mm -hmm. now right right (laughs) and so there there are 
things that produce um, things like mindfulness, good social experiences, uh, all those kind of things it has a buffering effect on stress. And that inhibits the release of pro-inflammatory cytokines. So there's this whole kind of balancing thing. There's all sorts of things that cause inflammation, all these things mm -hmm. that can dampen inflammation. And you're, you're trying to uh, hit that sweet spot. And, um, and some people kind of hit it better than others. I was just seeing a study reference on Dr. Huberman's Twitter feed. I haven't looked into it deeply, but it referenced something rather recent that showed that 20 minutes of active breathing exercises has more health benefits than 20 minutes of meditation. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense with what you've just said, because thinking about, you know, the Tai Chi type movements or some of the other. So thanks for helping well, you explain know what that. They've shown, actually, that mindful breathing as well will increase mm -hmm. the oxygenation to your brain by something like 25%. And, you know, that's substantial. Like you're, that being, is. you're being really nice to yourself. By doing <laughs> it's so weird to me that in this day and age, we're having to teach other humans how to breathe. You know something, what's really unfortunate, I think, is that um, we're not teaching people as well as we should how to look after themselves. It should be part of physical education in school. It should be part of grade two schooling. Yeah, right? you got it. And um, But anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let me explain how mm -hmm. this all leads to the fibrosis that occurs with chronic disease. Please do, because you're going to talk about one of my favorite cells in the body. I know, it's one of mine too. And that is the fibroblast. Now, the fibroblast is also in this microenvironment. And I see the fibroblast and the macrophages as close buddies. And um, so here I've said, you know, you can think of it as, as partners in, in crime or, you know, like a kind of Batman and Robin duo. Okay. Um, so they work in lockstep with the macrophages. So when the macrophages is in surveillance mode, the fibroblast is in surveillance mode and it's supporting stem cell niches. Mm. It's doing all sorts of things just to keep everything copacetic. When the macrophage turns into this inflammatory mode, that's the, the M1 mode, yeah. The M1, exactly. Mm -hmm. The fibroblast also starts to produce pro-inflammatory cytokines. And it also creates large amounts of extracellular matrix to try and um, uh, keep the damage contained. So if you have a heart attack, for example, the first thing is you've got all this extracellular matrix that's saying, okay, let's contain the damage. When the macrophage goes into the M2 repair mode, the fibroblast does well as well. And so it assists in the repair. It does remodeling of the tissue, again, according to the forces that are on that tissue, and it produces anti-inflammatory cytokines. So you say, okay, that's all very nice. These guys are buddies. And uh, so what? Like, what does that have to do with chronic disease progression? Well, here it is. 
when that three-stage healing process gets stalled because it gets stuck in this M1 inflammation mode because there's these repetitive insults. Yeah, basically um, you never get any rest. You never, yeah, they can never get to that repair mode. Mm -hmm. And this is something that occurs, whether it's in your kidneys, in your heart, in your brain, in your lungs, is that when the macrophages start to dysregulate, the fibroblasts dysregulate, and they start pumping out this extracellular matrix. And that's what causes fibrosis. So here you've got this organ where there's chronic low-grade inflammation and then progressive fibrosis. And that's what eventually destroys the organ cells and leads to loss of function. And fibrosis wow. is the hallmark of any end-stage chronic disease. And I didn't realize that. Like I went to medical school and when you're studying cardiology, yeah, heart failure, eventually there's fibrosis, the heart stiffens. And, you know, then you go and you study respirology and you say, oh yeah, and COPD, chronic obstructive uh, pulmonary disease. Yeah, eventually there's fibrosis, kidneys, liver. But that process of low-grade inflammation and progressive fibrosis is remarkably similar, whether it occurs in the lung, the liver, the heart, kidney, musculoskeletal tissue with osteoarthritis. You get stiff. Yeah. And then you stop moving and then you get stiffer. Exactly. And currently there is no treatment for fibrosis. So all the treatments have been aimed at the organ cells. So I, I need to put it a... in the end is actually the macrophages and the fibroblasts in that microenvironment. Okay. So I have a little out of the box question here in your experience. Do you think there is a place with certain specific kinds of manual therapies that could be useful in reversing the fibrosis to a degree by helping people be more mobile, be being able to be more mobile, of course, then they have to go out and be more mobile when they're not getting their treatment. Well, you know something, this is a very new area. I think a lot of research has to be done. You know, there is certainly that um, one study by Stecco who showed that um, massaging the elbow. Oh, yeah, there was the elbow and the water cell. content and the hyaluronin, yes. It increased yes, the that was from... increased the range of motion and so mm -hmm. on. We'll put a link in that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. There's also there have also been studies that have shown that I mean we know manual therapy works but if you combine manual therapy with some type if people are doing some type of physical activity that yeah. doesn't put further stress on their system mm -hmm. I have to put that caveat in I did not mention fascia that much in this paper That's okay I, it was implied I did but I did you know, like all the sort of seeds have been planted there. Like oh, this yeah. is talking about the interstitium, 
we do talk about Neil T's paper that shows that even the interstitium within an organ is actually continuous with all the other connective tissue in the body. Yes, that's the one where he injected the tattoo ink and it went through many barriers far beyond where the ink was. Yeah, so, you know, the connective tissue network in the body is, I think, going to be we're going to learn much more about it in the years to come. We know it's a biologically active um, system now, and 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 it's all connected throughout the body. So there's going to be more and more coming on that. I figured there was enough in one paper already. <laughs> I yeah, actually yeah, yeah. started out wanting to explain how Tai Chi works. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Now, oh man that's, that's the great. focus of another paper but I think like, so. you know, there's only so much you can cover in one paper right? yeah and, and keep the reader engaged absolutely uh, the- an unhealthy lifestyle cause inflammation that we know is through these resident macrophages and these recurrent insults that cause it to release cytokines that cause inflammation and there are multiple things that can cause uh, the release of these inflammatory cytokines, and they can get additive. Um, they are not only there locally, but they can be released systemically into the circulation. And how does it cause chronic disease? Well, largely by working in lockstep with fibroblasts who are also in the microenvironment they also release cytokines and eventually lead to fibrosis of the tissue in the organ. That sounds like a really good place to stop. There is a lot in there to think about. There's going to be a part two to this because we haven't answered the second question yet. Well, that is, how does inflammation cause chronic disease? Well, there is, but we just, there's a lot to unpack just in there's that. a lot to unpack there and the other thing is what are the implications like what's you know what's the so what here and there's actually some profound so what's to this knowledge what are what do you see as being the most profound well one of them is it really brings into question how we have organized modern medicine today like why have a specialist looking just at the heart and another specialist looking just at the lungs and another mm-hmm. specialist looking just at the liver or the kidneys and so on. When you've got this horizontal process, common horizontal process of low-grade inflammation and fibrosis that's happening in all of them. We learned a lot from specialization but we never thought to put it all back together when we were done learning about the specialization. We created a whole industry out of it. And I'm going to suggest um, to you and also to the listeners, if they happen to go back to the previous episode of Body Talk and listen to my interview with Dr. Christopher Standard, it's very much along a similar track, but we weren't talking, we weren't getting down to the cellular level, but he's somebody who has a very different way of practicing. It's a model for the future. You know, it completely ignores all these interactions that occur across organs. And so like network analysis, let me just leave you with this one study. 
Okay. In the ICU, they were able to look at, there's a way that you can actually measure interconnectivity between the organs. And if you had good interconnectivity between your organs, you were more likely to do well. When your interconnectivity between your organs starts to go down, that was associated with really poor prognosis and uh, likely death in the ICU setting. Totally missed when by the super specialist of the, uh, you know, of the heart or the lung. And so so how, how do they do that measurement? Yeah, that's a good question. I'd have to go back to that. Study. <laughs> is is that study in the paper? Because that's not one that I'm. Um, there there was no. so many. Oh, no, okay. because All you right. see, this can, this has so many ramifications that go off in a hundred different directions. Yeah, but, yeah. The, the, I've often felt that that was um, one of the problems I had with a lot of the books about fascia, where there's so many places to go, and sometimes people go there in two pages, and you get to the third page, and you're like, I have no idea what I just read in the previous two, so. <laughs> Um, yeah, you can, there's all these tangents, right? right? Right, 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 right. How do you keep it? And that's that's what I love about this paper. It was so, it just kept me reading and it kept going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, it just, it was just beautiful from start to finish. And I want to thank you for well, coming on the show so and much. talking I mean, about it. You're a very good writer. And so coming from you, that means a lot to me. It really does. You know, from one to another. You're great, Patricia. Can't wait to have you on the show again. Thank you. It was nice talking with you. Thank you for listening to this week's installment of Body Talk. Remember, we now live in an attention economy. And I promise you, if you give me your attention, I will make it worth your attention. Thank you so much for listening. Please share it with your families, your friends, your patients, your clients, whoever you think it's appropriate, and hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. If you want to get a little crazier and help support the show, that's even more appreciated. You can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com backslash Body Talk Radio. And for less than a latte a month, you can be a contributing member of the show. We're going to take a break next week, but I'll join you back here in two weeks the second Sunday in February for a brand new installment of Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Mm -hmm.